You, my friends, have found Internet Marketing for Smart People Radio. I'm Robert Bruce, and I'm joined by the unforgettably pink chief marketing officer of Copyblogger <laughs> Media, Sonia Simone. Sonia, where in the world are you this week? Well, I think since the last time we talked, I have been to Melbourne, Australia, and the Sierras in California, but I am now home again for all of a day before I fly off to Los Angeles. So, so you're home base for now. You're traveling like a mad woman. Uh, you're launching the 2011 version of Teaching Cells. You're writing monster posts on Copyblogger. And I was thinking we're into November and that you deserve to unwind just a bit and, and thinking that maybe you should join up with uh, NaNoWriMo, the National Novel Writing Month. I think it's the perfect time for you to be writing a novel. See, now I don't curse in these podcasts or else I would be cursing at you right now. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you're Mr. only a Smart day, pants. you're only one day behind too. So it's just kicking back tonight and, you know, leisurely cranking out like what, uh, 3,334 words. That's no problem for you. That's chill. That's like, you know. I'll do that in the bath. How does that sound? Uh, I'll be looking for that novel at the end of the month. Okay, um, you just keep looking for that. We found a few good links out there that I wanted to run by you, see what you think. And let's get it going with an announcement two weeks ago that the Mobile Marketing Association had laid down some privacy guidelines for the mobile industry. Uh, among these guidelines were basic ideas of how consumer information is to be used and shared, as well as opt-in and opt-out standards for mobile developers and companies doing business on mobile platforms. Now, this is all obviously a very good thing, but it's nothing new. And it's interesting to me that the mobile industry is codifying this stuff just now. We've been yeah. talking about this privacy stuff for a long time, right? And, and not just us, of course, but respecting a customer or a subscriber's privacy thankfully, has become a common mantra among uh, ethical leaders in our business. Yeah. I mean, essentially, this is the quit being a dirty, rotten spammer guideline, <laughs> which we shouldn't have needed. But of course, um, some people out there do need the best, the kind of marketing that we talk about on Copyblogger is based on someone who's actually interested in what you have to say. So, you know, you don't send people messages that are totally irrelevant to their interests. You don't send people messages that have nothing to do with what they're doing right now. And you don't – the whole spam industry, and this goes whether you're talking about people who are, you know, smiling and dialing from boiler rooms or people who are sending you email or whatever it might be, is based on trying to find vulnerable, foolish people who are – going to fall for um, a real hard sales pitch. And it's just, it's it's a scummy industry and it's a scummy practice. Now, there are non-scummy people who do this stuff because they, you know, they see somebody else do it and they think that's the right way. It's really not. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, people need to be able to opt in and opt out. Um, you need to respect people's privacy, especially with a mobile device that tells you where somebody physically is. Mm. Um, that's just basic, you know, anti-stalker creep 101. But also, as soon as you start sending somebody a lot of irrelevant garbage, they just tune it out anyway. It doesn't work. It used to work. doesn't work. Again, except on the most vulnerable segment of the population that's really susceptible to the kind of Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, you know, sales operations. So if that's you, you should probably just 
go away. I don't want to talk to you. Um, and if it's not you, you're not good enough to sell these people anyway. So quit bugging people who don't want to hear from you. Yeah. And this is a really simple thing on the face of it, but incredibly important. And, and it really boils down to what Seth kind of did. Did Seth coin it all those years ago? Permission marketing, you know? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did actually. He, you know, wrote a book called Permission Marketing and that book was a real eye-opener for me, and I know it was a real eye-opener for Brian Clark. And it's still extremely apt, where instead of the old TV advertising model, radio advertising model, where you just annoy the living heck. You're doing somebody, good today. I know. This <laughs> ooh, The filter is on. You know, where you annoy somebody to death, and then eventually you get them to get up and, and take an action. This is more about enticing someone to be interested in what you've got and getting them to take action to say, hey, I want to know more about this. I'd like to learn more about this thing that you've got to sell. Why don't you talk to me about it and creating more of a more of a dialogue. It's not just, you know, nice. It's not just for people who are afraid to sell. It's not just for people who are big weenie hippies like I am. It's good business. Be- ethical behavior is more effective. It gets you better results, gets you higher quality customer, gets you better customer relationship, and it gets you better share of customers. So it's not just about, you know, being nicey nice. It's really about being a smart business person. Yeah. I just read a great little article on, uh, it's over at silicon.com. I'll link to it in the notes, but uh, this morning by a gentleman named William Haig. And he says, online crime is growing exponentially you know, may seem like another obvious fact, but that uh, uh, cybercrime was ranked in the top five highest priority risks of the government's national security strategy. Now, yes. this is scary in general and scary for us, but this is actually very good news for good ethical business owners, right? Uh, in this environment of everybody, not everybody, um, so many are getting ripped off, identity theft, on and on down the line. What does that mean for a good business owner who's practicing good privacy and permission uh, strategies and guidelines? Yeah, I think it's actually very good for the ethical business owner and the ethical content marketer because it does give you an opportunity. The more scary the outside environment is, the more appealing it becomes for somebody to be able to come in out of the cold, to come in out of the noise into what you've got, um, sign up for your email list, um, you know, it, it makes very attractive options for things like private forums or email lists or just private areas, private customer areas where people can go and get away from the bad guys. And so, yeah, the the more security you can give your customers, the better as the, you know, the online environment gets less and less secure. And it's always been sort of Wild West, but it's um, it's only going to get more so as the reach gets wider and as you know, people from all over the world are just actively trying to tunnel their way into your your data and rip off your credit card information. Yeah. If you're doing things right, you're going to stand out in stark relief, um, you know, against those kinds of practices and everything else that's going on out there. Um, so it really is marketing. I, I, I think I might have coined something. I'd have to look. I haven't done any research, but I'm uh, thinking about this term tinfoil hat marketing. Like if we all just <laughs> put on our tinfoil hats and we all become privacy freaks, privacy nuts, you know, the bottom line can get better all the way around. Yeah, absolutely. Because if you can bring people in to a safer environment, and let's just say a really simple way to do that would be to sign up for your email list. You cut out 
99% of the advertising clutter that's getting in the way of them hearing what you have to say. So, yeah, it's great for you. I kind of like that, tinfoilhattribe.com. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right, we'll work on it. We'll work on it a little bit. Let's get into something. Uh, this is a little bit of a curveball here, but I wanted to touch on a great post by Lorraine Thompson over at marketcopywriterblog.com. She calls it In Praise of Slow Copywriting. And I like this because it's a little bit different from what we normally read uh, about productivity and creativity. Lorraine is basically asking if copywriters everywhere shouldn't join the slow movement, uh, for instance, slow food, et cetera, um, that is, uh, has over the last decade just kind of taken over again in the face of speed and technology. A lot of people are going back to slow living. And it's a really interesting thing to think about because as a copywriter, uh, particularly freelance copywriters, you're hustling, uh, you're always working, you're always looking for either clients or ideas or paychecks. (laughs) And a couple of points that she gets down to of how to think about this and maybe even how to do it kind of align with what we talk about a lot. What, What do you think of this slow copywriting thing? Yeah, I thought that this post had a lot going for it. And one of the things that she's really pointing to that's a a big issue for copywriters, and it's a big problem for copywriters, is the number of businesses that are hitting up, you know, the big freelance websites, um, an elance.com or, or something along those lines. Yeah. Spurred, you know, many in part from things like Tim Ferriss's four-hour work week, which talked about outsourcing a lot of your business practices to assistance in other places. India was sort of prominent on that list. The place of choice tends to move around. But I think that there's a a fallacy that the bottom dollar, super fast copywriter you can get on a big freelance, anonymous freelance site where people are just racing to the bottom of of the bids is going to be the same as an experienced, capable copywriter who has a, a good client list and who has client results that she can point to and who may have done quite a lot of research into your your topic or your, you know, the area of your business. It's a very so there are a lot of people out there paying for fast food copy and they're getting fast food results. So um, you're that's interesting. You're looking at this as a potential positioning idea. Yeah. I mean, I, I look at it in terms of listeners. I think you can look at it a couple of ways. Um, I mean, for the copywriters out there, you need to differentiate yourself strongly against this kind of fast food copy. Uh, it's very important. And also, you know, just in terms of things like search engine optimization, you're mm. competing with a lot of fast food copy. And you have to do the work to make your copy more memorable, more shareable. But also, I think that we have a lot of listeners who are managing writers or who are managing yeah. um, marketing endeavors, co- content marketing programs. And the temptation is to shave a little off the budget by going with – by going with the cheapest copywriter you can find and somebody who turns your web page content around in, in three hours. Uh, she had a good quote, actually. Along came Burger King, Jumbo Jets, and Elance. Today we still want the same tasty food, leisurely travel, and quality copywriting, but in a fraction of the time. But here's the rub. They're not the same. A Whopper isn't beef stew. A 747 isn't a horse and carriage, and generic content isn't quality copywriting. Mm-hmm. 
it's just a really good point. And and I would love for the writers in the crowd, because I know you're out there, I would love to talk about a couple of the things that she talks about, about ways to take more time to write an article. Um, right. Not just for the sake of taking more time, because we're all very good at that, but for the sake of making it better. Yeah. First thing she talks about is something that you have gone over again and again, which is to specialize. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that if you, so she says, clients seem to understand that writing about, say, industrial cheese equipment, biologic drugs, or cigars, yes, I've written for all of these markets, requires a little extra time. So yeah, if you take some time to really research and understand a particular a particular corner of the market, and there was a great copy blogger post about using trade journals to find copywriting work. So if you're going to market to, you know, the industrial manufacturing segment, really understand what industrial manufacturing is about and the language they use and the concepts and really get it. Again, that takes time. Research takes time. Research is one of the keys to quality writing. And it eats up a lot of time when there are no words appearing on the screen. But the result is so much better and the result becomes something, if you're a writer, it becomes something that you can command a better price for because it's better. It's just better. So that's a, you know, a slow down suggestion that will, it'll take you longer to get to the finish line, but when you get there, you're going to have a much better result. All right. Let's do one more in her list here of suggestions of how to slow down. That's a little crazy turn down work. Yes, absolutely. Which pairs with her focus on, you know, rejuvenation. If you find yourself too frazzled as, you know, as a copywriter to produce the kind of work that you know you should produce, the smartest thing to do is to raise your prices and shrink your client list. It's kind of shocking. <laughs> but the fact is that the more time and thinking space you give a project, the better, again, the better end result you're going to get. Um, and so and this, this actually goes for anybody who's creating content. So maybe you're the person who writes content for your blog or you handle your email list or you're in charge of communicating with your customers, whatever it is. You need to give yourself some time off to refill the well, or you're just going to be cranking out gibberish. And so it's very, it's very tough to do if you're, you know, working with a company, it's really tough to cut your workload. But as much as you can think about focusing on the good old 80-20 rule, you want to focus on the 20% of your projects that give you 80% of your results and cut out projects, either they're bad clients you know, clients who don't pay promptly or their clients who are just not good to work with or their clients you can't do your best work for because you don't really get into their topic. Focus on the focus on the work that really gets you the results, whether it's the blog posts, the emails, the articles, whatever it might be. You know what else people should be focusing on, Sonia? What's that? Uh, they should be focusing on the Internet Marketing for Smart People course. <laughs> This show is sponsored by IMFSP, the premier online marketing course delivered straight to your email inbox. And Sonia, let's go ahead and take a quick look inside this course for a moment at one of the actual lessons, which, by the way, will also serve as our tip of the week for this week for those uh, listening. And that's number 12, a remarkably simple business plan. Now, Business plans are one of those things that can cripple folks right out of the gate and sometimes keep them from actually getting going. Give us a few ideas from lesson number 12 
will you, about writing and executing a simple and effective business plan? Yeah, absolutely. And the idea behind Lesson 12 is it's a cut and paste kind of an operation. So you you know, you know, can literally just copy it into a Word document or a text document and then answer the questions. And when you've answered all the questions, you've got a business plan. And I created this because when I was getting started, in fact, with a copywriting business, I was reading about stuff like how to get a line of credit, you know, and how to get a business license and and what kind of things I should think about when I was negotiating office space. And it's like, okay, none of that has any relevance to me. You wrote you um, wrote a couple 50, 100-page uh, uh, business plans, didn't you, in your past? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I came, out of, I came out of a much more traditional corporate world where you had yeah. to go get things like business loans. And, you know, the bank has a certain kind of thing they like to look at that's they call a business plan. I don't, I don't find that super useful for an actual entrepreneurial business. So I came up with something I called the Remarkably Simple Business Plan. Uh, and it just gets you to answer some questions that might be hard to answer, but unless you know the answers, you're going to have a world of hurt. You know, the first one, and I'll just go through, I'll go through the first one to give you an idea of, of what we're talking about here. Who's the right customer? So who is the customer for what you are selling? Who is this person? What do they look like? Where do they shop? How do they hear about you? Um, what do they care about? What's their favorite color? How many kids do they have? What kind of car do they drive? Just just go on and on and on and figure out who the customer is for what you're selling. Because and we've talked about this before. If your answer is anyone with skin, which is the answer to that question for one of the multi-level marketing people, you've got a problem. You can't market to everyone with skin. You can't pay for advertising to everyone with skin. You've got to be talking to one well-defined person. You can visualize like you were having a cup of coffee. Um, if you can't picture this person sitting across from you, having a cup of coffee and talking about your business and how it helps them out, you need, you need mm. to get to work. So that's, I put that one first because um, I think it's the most important. I think if you get that right, you can kind of screw up a lot of other stuff and you'll still have okay results. Um, and if you get it wrong, you'll just be dead in the water. So, you know, things like how is how is this person going to find me? I'm going to go through a few of the other elements of the business plan. What is this project? So your service, your site, whatever it is. What's the project going to look like when it's done? Um, what problem does it solve for the customer? What tools or materials am I going to need to get this built? These are the kind of questions we're going to have you answer. It, it takes a little time. You know, it might take you – it might be the kind of thing where you would go to a coffee shop and sit down for maybe a couple hours and and – do a little brainstorming and think about it. Um, but it's not going to take you like a month. It's going to be an afternoon's work. And once you've done it, you're going to have a clarity about the shape of your business that's going to inform everything you do from that point. So it's a very important exercise. If you're in business, you need to know the answers to these questions. I'm going to link up uh, lesson number 12 in the post for this podcast. So you can go there, check it out for yourself, get to it, get to using it right away. And uh, be sure at the bottom of that page, be sure to click the link to sign up for the Internet Marketing for Smart People course, the entire 20-part course. It's totally free. And it really is. It's the best of CopyBlogger systematically structured and delivered to your digital doorstep, so to speak. It's about once a week you're going to get one of these lessons. Like I said, you'll see this one. But uh, to get on the bus, go over to imfsp.com and drop your email address into the little box you'll see there. 
and we'll take care of the rest. All right, Sonia, unless you have anything else for these good people, uh, let's uh, get out of here. What do you say? I think that sounds good. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, thanks for listening, one and all. If you think Sonia should keep her hair pink or that we should keep going, please do get over to iTunes and leave a comment or a rating for us. You've all been very kind and generous with your ratings, and we're grateful for it. Ms. Simone, your words today have been as good as a 30-year single malt scotch. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks. Take care.